Good morning. How are we doing this thing? Yeah, it's good to see you guys. If you don't know me, my name is Sean Fenner. I am part of the preaching rotation here at Redemption. I'm also the small group coordinator um, for, he, for all the small groups that are going on throughout the week. Um, it's a privilege to be here to continue through our walk through First John. Um, so a couple announcements that we, uh, we have this morning. Um, not many, but a couple I want to bring attention to. The first one is on June 4th at 11, 11 a.m. after the 11 a.m. service, we are doing a um, worship team audition. Um, this is for anyone who has a musical talent, whether you play an instrument, whether you sing, we want to have you come to this audition. As we continue to grow as a church, we need to continue to expand the number of people who are serving. So, you know, we want to be able to have a full worship team not only here at Redemption Lower Borough, but we also have the Friday night service in Sarver that, that we would love to have a full worship team for each and every week. And more importantly, not put a burden on the same people to continue to do it each and every week. So if you have any gifts and talents in the musical field, we'd love to have you come out on June 4th. We also have on June 5th, there is the CIA and the, the youth group dinner. This is for anyone who's part of the CIA group and any member of the youth group. They're going to come together to fellowship with one another, to, to share stories with each other. It's going to be a pretty cool opportunity to kind of have two different generations of people come together and just to share what God is doing in their lives. And lastly, um, registration for VBS is now open. And if you have kids and you want to get them to be part of VBS, that will be June 12th through the 16th. Get them registered. We would love to have your kids here to celebrate a week of, of what God is doing. So I think that is all the announcements that I have this morning. Um, let's go ahead and, and get into this. If you guys want to open your Bibles to 1 John 2, 18 through 27, we'll be jumping in there in a second. Before we do, though, if you guys know, I, I love to share some stories. Uh, you know, if you've been here before and you've heard me preach before, I, I have a, a love for comic book stuff and, and nerdy things. And, and uh, so I'm, of course, going to share a story with you guys <laughs> in regards to that. My son and I, since the time he's been four years old, have been going to see these comic book movies. Back in 2008 is when they really first started to come out. And we have gone pretty much every, just every single movie, except maybe three or four that we missed because he got in trouble or whatever the case may be. Uh, but, but we have gone through all these movies. It's been an opportunity for me not only to kind of geek out with the things that I love and, and, and introduce him to those things, but more importantly, it's been an opportunity for me to kind of just go with him and spend time with my son in this way. And it's been a cool opportunity. In fact, we just went a couple months ago. He's 19 now, and uh, probably the last one we'll see with him as a teenager, which is crazy to me that we started this journey at four years old, and here we are, he's almost 20. And uh, so it's been a cool opportunity. But throughout these movies, the first like 10 movies or so, they, uh, they, they introduce different characters. And, and all this have come together to, to the two movies that, that ended this kind of first 10 years. They're called the, the Avengers Infinity War and the Avengers Endgame. I know for some of you people, you're sitting here like, what is he talking about? That's okay, just bear with me. It does relate back to what the Bible is going to teach us a little bit, a little bit. I just like telling stories also. But uh, so, so these movies come back to the Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War. In these movies, you have the good guys and the bad guys, of course. And the big bad guy's name is Thanos. And his whole purpose and mission is to come and wipe out half the universe, to take half the universe out. The hero's job is to try to protect the universe and not let this happen. In Infinity War, unfortunately, this does happen. 
Spoiler alert, sorry, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> but he wipes out half the universe. And, and so the next movie is, is, the, is, the, is the, um, the Avengers trying to fix it, to save the world. How do we get these 50% of the population back? There are a lot of different characters. One specific character, character is a character named Nebula, right? She is a, an alien. She's a cyborg-y thing. Um, she's actually the daughter of the big bad Thanos, and through these movies, you see a character arc for her. She started out as this villain, and she has gradually worked her way into, she became a hero, part of the Avengers. And in this last movie, she's part of this good guy team. Part of what they need to do to go save the universe, though, is they need to go back in time. And unfortunately, back in time, all the bad people were still there, including the bad Nebula. So Thanos and Nebula come up with this idea that they're going to capture the good Nebula, the present Nebula, and they're going to take parts and pieces from her so that the, the bad one looks like the good one. And then they're going to send the bad one back into the present time so that she can infiltrate the good guys, the Avengers. So she gets in there, they send her back, and, and she fits in because they can't tell that this is a different nebula. Their parts and pieces look the same. She acts the same. She's never really a, a kind-hearted, good fun-loving person in the first place, so there's really no difference there. They can't really tell the difference. She's able to get in with them. She's able to talk with them and eventually able to, to, to start to separate them and divide them. And then she figures out a way to bring the entire evil army, the bad army, into the present time to, to attack and have a war. John tells us a story that's similar, not with the aliens, of course, no cyborg or big bad people, but a story nonetheless that includes evil people, villains who are coming in to infiltrate the church, to infiltrate the body of believers with the sole purpose and, and, the, and the idea in mind to divide and conquer, to separate the church from God, to figure out a way to change what is going on for their own devices. That's what John tells us about. So let's jump into this story, or this passage, I should say. Um, 1 John 2, 18 through 27. says, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? If not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This one is the Antichrist. The one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As you know, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it is taught to you. Remain in him. Let's pray. God, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the words that you gave to John to write 
and to instruct us. And I pray that you would help us to take this morning to apply those words to our lives. Help us to heed this warning that John has given us. Help us to, to be prepared for what is next. Lord, I pray that you allow your spirit to just fill this room, fill each one of our lives this morning. I pray that you would just, just help us to, to, to recognize the need for what we're gonna go over this morning. But thank you for this opportunity to, to present your word. I pray that, that, that you speak through me and let your words, not my words, be spoken. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So up until now, um, John has kind of been teaching, or understand he's writing to a bunch of believers. This is, this is the, the audience that he's writing to. And he's encouraging these believers to continue to do what God has commanded them to do. Follow his commandments, stay away from fleshly desires, stay away from the darkness and walk back to the light. Here John then takes a turn and says, now I have a, a warning for you guys. I need you to understand, I need you to take this very seriously. That, that there are people that are among you currently that are trying to divide you and separate you from God. There are people that are, that are, that are coming, that will continue to come, that their sole purpose is to shake everything about what you believe. Shake it up. We have an assurance in Christ, and, and these people, their job is to come and, 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 and separate us from this assurance. My first point, and kind of the direction that we're going to be heading into this morning is this, that Christian assurance is protected by a fortified defense. Christian assurance. What is Christian assurance? Well, first and foremost, we know this, that, that God died on the cross for our sins, and that he rose again on the third day so that we can have salvation. That's the assurance that we have. We know that God, when he, when he died on that cross and when we chose to follow him, we were then given the Holy Spirit as a gift. That's the assurance that we have. We also know that, that, that right now, at this very moment, what we're doing here and where we're at right now is temporary. This is not our home if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. This is just where we're at right at this moment. But eventually God is going to come back again and he's going to take us back to our true homes, to where we belong as a follower of Jesus Christ. That is the assurance that we have. And it's our job to protect that assurance. But what we're going to see is that there are going to be enemies that are going to try to separate us and, and, and make us question that assurance. So then we need to set up a defense. As a child, how many of you guys have ever built a fort in your living room, right? This is something my brother and I used to do all the time as a kid. We would take all of the blankets that we could find in, our room, in, our, in, in, the, in the living room, we'd take all the blankets from the, the bedrooms, we'd take the dining room chairs, we'd bring them all to the living room and take the cushions off. We'd get shoes to hold the blankets in place so they wouldn't fall over and books. And we would build a fort entire, in the entire living room. We would crawl through that. We would hang out in this fort. We would, we would use our imagination and pretend like this fort is protecting us from some imaginary enemy. And we would spend days in these forts, or as long as my parents would allow us to. There were times that we would spend the night in this fort. We'd sleep through it and in it. 
We would use it to protect us from our, from our sisters. We didn't want them in there. This is a guy's fort. This is our fort. This is what we did. It was our defense. We also, in the, in the wintertime, when you go outside, and it seems like when I was younger, snow was a lot more um, abundant. And so we'd be able to go outside and play in it for a while. We'd get snow days. And we would have all the neighborhood kids would come over, and we'd have big snowball fights. And, and it was a blast, but, but you wanted to protect yourself from these snowballs hitting you, so you would build these snow forts. Snow forts were not as efficient and as intricate as blanket forts, but they were still useful. Snow forts were useful. You would build these forts up and you would hide behind them so that the snowball, the barrage, the attack that was coming with all these snowballs, you'd be protected from it. And occasionally the, the snowballs would hit the fort and they'd fall over, you'd have to rebuild it. You'd get the fort back up to protect yourself. We need to build a fort to protect ourselves. We're going to go through three defenses um, against the enemy. Three ways that we can protect the assurance that we have in Christ. My next point, um, Christian assurance is protected by a fortified, I'm sorry, assurance is protected by knowing who we face. Assurance is protected by knowing who we face. Who's our enemy? Who's attacking us? Verse 18 says this, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. Let's first go and explain what the last hour is. This is not John. You ever see like movies and stuff where you have the guy on the street corner saying, the end is near, the end is near, repent, repent. John's not doing this, although he is a little bit, but he's not staying on this corner like some whack job Come on, the end is near. That's not what he's doing. He's also not doing this because John's up in age a little bit. I think in, when he wrote this, he's about 80 years old. He's not saying the end is near for me. This is the last hour for me. That's not what he's saying. What John is saying, though, is there are times that, that occur throughout our life that are important events. These events take place in certain time frames. Right? We, we, uh, there's an author, B.C. Chiffon. He's a commentary author. He writes this about the last days, and it really helps explain it. He says, by the divine standard, times are measured not according to their definition, but according to their importance. It is their meaning and not the extent which gives them value. What John is saying is that there have been times that, that have occurred. Right? Jesus was sent to earth with the virgin birth. That's an important time frame. That's an important moment. Jesus died on the cross, was crucified for our sins, an important moment. He rose again three days later. That's a time frame, that's an important moment. And at this point, here we are, after all these promises and these prophecies have been fulfilled, there's one remaining, and that one remaining is that Christ is coming again. That's the time that we are in. We are in the last hour because all these other things have been fulfilled. And here we are now waiting for God to come back, the last hour. Also, keep in mind that each day that passes by brings us one day closer to him. So while we're in the last hour, we can be excited because one day soon and every day thereafter, I get closer and closer and closer to be reunited with my Savior. That's exciting stuff. John then goes on to tell us about the Antichrist. He says, the Antichrist is coming. Now this first Antichrist that he mentions is the singular Antichrist. This is the one that will come to deceive the world, keeping 
all the people there from, from, from the saving grace of the Father. This is the one who's gonna stand in opposition of what Jesus is trying to do and what he has done. Now we don't know when this Antichrist is coming, but John is saying, I assure you, he is coming. And while we wait though, keep in mind while we wait, that, that there are other Antichrists that are already a living among us and are extremely active. That while we wait for the big one to come, there are all these other ones that are already here. And they're doing work already. We see in Matthew 24, 5, he says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. Matthew 24, 24 says this, The false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Even the elect. That's us as believers. The Antichrist is going to come to try to lead us astray. And he's also going to come and try to prevent those who need to know Christ from doing so. That's their job. And they're here. And they're active. And they're among us. John gives us three characteristics of the Antichrist and these false teachers. Which is another name that can be. Antichrist is simply this. Antichrist. That's what they did. Everything that Christ represents they are against antichrist false teachers he gives us three characteristics the first characteristic of, of the antichrist is this that they will depart we will know them because they will depart verse 19 says they went out from us but they did not belong to us for if they had belonged to us they would have remained with us however they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belong to us they will depart, and we'll know who they are because they're departing and because they were never really a part of us. But in order for them to depart, they must first and foremost be a part of the fellowship. These are people that have worshipped in the same places that we worship. These are people who have been raised in the church, and while they were never really part of the church, make no doubt about it, there will be people who will rise up through the ranks of the church and, 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 and rise up to, to lead people including believers. And, I, and I, I, will, I will warn you this, if you're sitting here thinking to yourself, well, that won't happen to me. I'm pretty solid in my faith and my foundation. Keep in mind that Peter, the man who stood up against these soldiers and, and, and fought to keep them from arresting Jesus and cut an ear off a man, when push came to shove and the time for him to stand up, he denied Christ three times. So I assure you this, that, that these antichrists, these false teachers, know how to say the things to get you shaken up. To get you to, 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 to maybe question things, much like Peter. The next thing that we see, and the next way that we can identify the antichrist is, is this, that they will deny the faith. They will deny the faith. Now, I'm going to go out of sequence here a little bit through these passages, but we'll get through all the scriptures, just won't be in order. Um, verse 22, it says, Who is the liar, if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. We will know them because they will reject Jesus. They will try to teach other things that will change our thinking of who Jesus really is. They will deny that he is the promised Messiah. 
They will deny that he is the savior of the world, thus ultimately denying the father. 2 John 1, 7 says this, many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Interestingly enough, just a little tidbit, um, John is the only one that ever mentions the word antichrist. It's said four times in the Bible, and all four times are in 1 John and 2 John. Just a little bit of information. 2 Peter 2.1 says this, there, will indeed, there were indeed false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies. They're going to bring in messages that, that could destroy us as believers. Even denying the master who bought them and will bring swift destruction on themselves. These people who have sat under the teaching of the gospel, these people who have an understanding of what Christ did for all of us, yet they still will deny the Savior, they will deny the Messiah, they will deny the one who bought them with his own life. This is how we know who the Antichrist is. They will deny Jesus. The third thing that we'll know, how we can identify them, the characteristics of them, is that they will deceive the followers. Verse 26 says, I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. He spells it out pretty plainly here. They are trying to deceive you. The goal of the Antichrist or these false teachers is to lead you away from God they want to take you out of the protection of the assurance that we have in God. John has given us the enemy's playbook, right? He gives us the information that we need. Here's how you identify him. He's encouraging us, though, to stay strong and to stand firm and that we need to be prepared. Even if we don't think that we can handle this, if we can't do this, John is saying we absolutely can do it and that we don't have much longer to do it for. We're in the last hour. But we can do it. We need to understand that this enemy is aggressive, that this enemy does not play by any rules, this enemy does not have any standards that he's gonna follow, and they will do whatever is necessary to lead the believers away from God. That's their purpose. That's what they're here for. We need to be prepared for that. The next thing, my next point, assurance is protected by knowing what we have. Verse 20, he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. You have an anointing from the Holy One. One of the tools of the false teacher is that they're going to try to convince you that, that, that we need them, that we have to have them, that without them we couldn't understand the Word of God. That without them, we couldn't interpret what the Bible is trying to show us and teach us. John tells us that we have to stop with this type of thinking. Because we absolutely do not need them. Because we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. God has given us. Jesus has presented us the Holy Spirit. There's a movie that I've watched years ago. I'm sure some of you have seen it called Facing the Giants. Anyone see Facing the Giants, right? It's a, it's a Christian movie about um, a football team. Ideally, what it's about is, is us facing the enemies that seem like they're so much bigger than anything that we could truly overcome. There's a scene in there that I love to, to use. Um, this scene is, the team, there's a, it's about a football team, they're at a practice, 
and they're getting ready to play probably the, the best team, the, their biggest competition yet. And, and one, of the, one of the players, the captain of the team, you hear him saying like, oh, we can't win this game. We can't do this. There's no way we can overcome this. The coach overhears this and he says, hey, hey, come here, come here. I want you to come here. And he pulls him aside and he grabs another kid with him and he takes him over to the end zone and he says, I need you to do crab walks. Get down, start doing some crab walks. All right, I can do that. The player says, I, I know, 20, 30 yards. He's like, I want you to do as, many, as much as you can do for as long as you can do it. So the coach blindfolds the player and he throws this other kid on his back and says, go to work, start doing some crab walk. So the kid starts, he's doing pretty well. Gets to the 10, gets to the 20 yard. All this time, the coach is next to him. Come on, you can do this. You got this. You got this. You can do it. Keep going. It's to the 30, to the 50. Come on, you can do that. This time, the player's starting to get tired. Right, guy on his back, he's doing this crab walk. Come on, keep going. Keep going. You can do this. Then we get down to the, seven, the, 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 the 40 yard line, 30 yard line, getting closer to the end zone. Kid's exhausted. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Come on, you can keep going. Keep going. You got this. He gets down to the 10. Five more yards. Five more yards. Eventually, the kid's exhausted and he claps. He takes the blindfold off. Kid recognizes he just went 100 yards in this crab walk. He stands up. The coach looks at him and says, Listen, he said, I don't ever want to hear you say that you can't do this because you have something that they don't have, and that is heart. You have something that they don't have, and that is the will to be successful. John is telling us that we have something that the Antichrist can't give us. We have something that the Antichrist don't have. We have something that they cannot offer us. Church, we have been anointed. And because we are anointed, the Holy Spirit has been poured out into us. 1 Peter 1, 20 through 21 says, He has foreseen before the foundation of the world, but has revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised you from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. It's because we have the Holy Spirit that we are able to believe. It's because that we have the Holy Spirit that we are able to know the truth. And it's because that we have the Holy Spirit that we are able to have knowledge beyond anything that these antichrists can give us. This is also a fulfillment of a promise. John 14, 26 says that, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. This knowledge is a gift that is given by Jesus, revealed through the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Spirit to help teach us and to guide us while he is away, in his absence. The Antichrist will speak lies about Jesus. They'll speak lies about his humanity. They'll speak lies about his divinity. But everything that we know, regardless of how much or how little that is, everything we know is given to us by the Spirit who teaches us in opposition of the teachings of these false teachers and Antichrists. Everything we know is from the Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit comes with the privilege of truth. With the Holy Spirit, we're able to discern when something is not correct and not accurate with these false teachings. Then he goes on to verse 21 and says, I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. John continues through this to, to reaffirm us 
by telling us that I'm not writing to you because you don't know this already. I'm not trying to teach you something new. I want to simply remind you that you already know the truth. And how do we know it? Because we have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. And anyone who comes along and teaches that Jesus is not the Messiah, that he's not the Savior, that he's not divine, this person is a liar. And because you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to recognize that this person is a liar. Being a Christian simply is not coming to church. Being a Christian is being anointed by the Holy Spirit who teaches us the truth, which allows us to identify when teachers teach falsely. It gives us the chance to say amen when we hear something correct and right, but it also gives us a chance to rid ourselves of something that's wrong. John has encouraged us to hold on to what we already know, to never surrender to the teachings that deny the essentials of our faith. And while we don't know everything, the Spirit will continue to teach us and reveal us as we continue to be filled with him. This is not something that the Antichrist can offer. This is a tool that we have that they can't give us. At the moment of our new birth, the Holy Spirit opened up our blinded eyes to see the truth about our sinfulness and the suffering that Jesus endured to take that sin away. The enemy will work relentlessly to do whatever it takes to cause us to doubt that assurance. And when we feel ourselves being captivated by some new teaching, being drawn to something that's not of God, what we simply need to do is to go back and understand that we are anointed by the Spirit. And when we do that, we will be led back to the truth. We need to protect our churches. We need to protect our loved ones. We need to protect our children and our families by living in and with the Holy Spirit and that anointing. My next point Assurance is protected by knowing where we stay. So we know who we face. We know what tools that we have. Now we need to figure out where do we set up our defense? Where do we, where do we plant our feet and say, I'm gonna take my stance right here. John in verse 24 through 25 gives us that. He says, what you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made us, eternal life. While the Antichrists are trying to make the gospel message less effective and less powerful, John has encouraged us to, to simply stay. Stay in the truth. He's almost commanding us, just stay where you're at. Stay in the truth. Some translations we see for remain would be the word abide. And I like this word abide here in, in place of it. Abide means to stay in a certain place. It means to not move, to take a permanent residency. It's making yourself at home as a welcomed residence rather than a temporary visitor. Do you ever have someone come over, you invite someone over to your house, and they're hanging out, and it's been fun for a while, but man, it's getting late, and you just want them to leave. And they start to wear out their welcome a little bit, right? Maybe you have someone who's chilling out and they, you invite them over, come over for a weekend and that weekend turns into a week and then maybe two weeks and you get to a point, it's like, buddy, you gotta go, man, you got to go. John's telling us, be that person who stays. Don't worry about what anyone else is telling us. You wear out your welcome. 
It's okay, I want you to do that. I want you to stay where you're at. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do to make sure that we're abiding? Well, here is what John says about that. He says, let the word of God abide in you. Let his truth take residence in you. Not as a guest, not as a visitor, but as a permanent residence. Let God's word stay. Let let the truth of the gospel make a home in your heart. We need to learn more deeply. We need to practice more fully the great truths that we have known and that we continue to learn from the moment that we followed Christ. Paul says in Colossians 3.16 to let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Let it hang out in you. Let it be present in you. We need to, to, to let our lives every single day be saturated by the word of God. We need to stop looking at the things that distract us and turn our eyes above to the one who is sitting on the throne. Filling our hearts, filling our minds, filling our wills with his word. We need to love the word of God. We need to pray the word of God. We need to live the word of God. We need to memorize the word of God. We need to let ourselves be wide open to whatever the Holy Spirit is guiding us to do in the word of God. John 18, 31 says this, that Jesus said to the Jews who have believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. We cannot call ourselves disciples if we are not abiding in the word of God. We have to be in there every single day. As a disciple, this is what abiding should look like. Abiding is never ceasing to be persuaded by its truth and never elevating any other truth above it. Abiding is never ceasing to be attracted to its beauty and its value and never seeing anything as more beautiful, as more valuable, as more attractive than the word of God and the Lord that it reveals. Abiding is never ceasing to rest in its grace and power and never turning away as though there is a greater grace and a greater power that we can obtain. Abiding is never ceasing to eat and drink from the word as the bread of life and the living water, knowing life cannot be sustained any other way. Abiding is never ceasing to walk in the light of the word, knowing that no other light can show us the way back. So, church, what does the word of truth play? What role does the word of truth play in your life? If you truly are going to protect yourselves, from these false teachers and antichrists. If you truly are gonna live a life in abiding relationship with our Father, then we must allow the word of God and the truth found in it to take up residence in our lives. We need to read the word of God. We need to know the word of God. We need to follow God's word with everything that we have. Verse 27 says this, as for you, the anointed, you receive from him, what you receive from him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it has taught you, remain in him. Now, before anyone gets any bright ideas, we all still need to be taught. None of us has arrived. Right? He's not saying that, that don't worry about sitting on your teachers any longer. You don't need them. You have the Holy Spirit. That's not what he's saying at all. If that's the case, John would just simply wouldn't have written this instruction for us. What he does mean is this, because we have the Holy Spirit and because the Holy Spirit is the divine teacher, there is no additional secret or yet to be presented knowledge that we can gain from any other false teacher. 
We don't need any new teachings. We don't need any new truths. We don't need any new or different ways of doing things. What we need is this. We need this. This old, this ancient, this proven truth that we find in the Bible. The one and only way that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible has not become irrelevant. Our culture can't push this book away. This, our culture can't remove this from us. This book is just as irrelevant today as it was the day that it was being written. Nothing could ever replace it. It is still the truth. And if we have God's word in our hands and we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, church, we have everything that we need to understand the truth and to continue to grow in Christ. It's extremely important also that, that we um, find teachers who are consistent with the word and who are being led by the Spirit. We need to sit under them. We need to learn from them. And we're fortunate here, I believe, at Redemption that we have people who are consistent in the word of God. Pastor Fred, Pastor Greg, Pastor Morty do an incredible job of preaching directly from the word of God. And it's gospel driven. And it points back to the gospel. I believe we have an incredible children's ministry who are being led by, by teachers who are led by the spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Marty is doing an incredible job with our teenagers. Teaching them. Not just telling them stories, but opening up the Word of God and teaching them Scripture and how to decipher it and read it and learn from it. Our small group leaders, our young adult leaders, they're doing an incredible job of, of guiding and directing people to follow Jesus. I think this is happening here at Redemption. But we also must be ready if it's not happening. We must be willing to just turn away and find something else. This may mean that we have to leave a church. This means that we might have to turn off our TVs. We have to turn off those radios. Maybe we need to stop listening to that podcast that we're so entertained by. We need to stop listening to teachers who can lead us and those around us to question the assurance that we have in God. Those who will lead us astray from true doctrine that is led by the Holy Spirit. This is what false teaching looks like. That's their purpose and that's their mission. John's not trying to, it's not his intention to try to, to bring you this doom and gloom. Oh no, that's not the case. And you can almost feel the angst and the passion that he's writing this with. But the harsh reality is this. The church is under attack. We as believers are under attack. And while we know the battle is already won and we can celebrate that. The times that we are living in are not peace times. They are here and we are at war with them. Fred talked about this last week that, the, that, that these, these, these false teachers, these antichrists have, have went away from trying to eliminate the church and have gone to infiltrating the church to change the narrative to fit into the world's narrative. To change the standard to fit the world's Standard. The enemy is doing whatever they can to lead believers away from God. And as a follower of Jesus, we must never cease. We, we can never really truly be deceived, but we can certainly be shaken. Our stability in our assurance can be shaken. The false teachers can lead us into doubt. The false teaching, the Antichrist, can cause us to, to, to question what true and sound doctrine is. We need people who are fortified 
by the truth. We need a church that is fortified by the truth. And I'm not saying that we need to isolate ourselves. I'm not saying that, that we need to just keep to ourselves here in this protected walls of this church. Absolutely not. We need to absolutely go and preach the gospel. We need to go and make disciples in all the nation. We must go, but we have to together be ready to protect this body, to protect ourselves, to protect our families, to protect the people that we love. We know who we face. These antichrists are 100% real, and they are out there. They are among us. They are rising up to teach and lead us astray. But church, we know the truth because we have been anointed. And because of that, John is saying to stay, to abide, to plant your feet and stay. This is what a persistent and effective defense looks like. For us Yinzer sports fan, this is our steel curtain defense. This is what this is supposed to be. We are in the last days, and while we don't know how much time we have left, what we do know is this, is that they are coming, and we need to be prepared for that. So I'm gonna leave with this. I'm gonna ask you three questions that I think will apply to each person who is sitting here, sitting here this morning. Three questions. The first question is this. Are you fortified? Have you been anointed? If you are sitting here this morning and you're not sure what that means or what that looks like, none of this really applies to you because Satan still has a grasp of you. And you can't abide in him because you don't know how to do it. But I tell you this, we want you in the fort. We want you to be part of the fort. And, and if you want to, to change and, and become part of that fort, then what you simply need to do is to ask God to forgive you of your sins. If we confess he is faithful and just, we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will be anointed and you will be in the fort. So this morning, if you haven't made that decision, now's the perfect time to do so. The second question I have, and this is for all of us who have made that decision, are there any gaps in your fort? Are you leaking anywhere? Are there holes in your defense? Are there things in your life right now that are keeping your fort from being completely fortified, completely secured? Are there things that are going on that, that you have yet to, to confess to Jesus, to repent from? Keep in mind that as you continue to have sin in your life, the fort becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. We need to go to God and ask God for forgiveness for our sins, each and every sin. We can't have that stuff lingering around because that stuff is going to destroy our defense. And Satan will have a way in. The Antichrist will have a way into our lives. And they will deceive you. They'll, they'll, they'll deceive you to think that you don't need to refortify that fort. That it's fine the way that it is. So this morning for you, if you have something in your life that you need to fix, that you need to change, today's the day to do it. Let's get right with God. Let's fortify our defense. And my third question is this. Who can I call when I need backup? God did not intend for us to, to live in the fort by ourselves. He wants us to do this together. But who can I call when my fort is collapsing on top of me? 
Because I can't bear this on my own. Who can I call and trust and know that, that they're going to come and help me lift the fort back up? Who can I call that's going to bring some duct tape to fill in the holes? Who's going to point them out for me and say, yeah, dude, this is looking terrible. Fix it. Who can I call that I can trust to tell me the truth about where I am in my life, in my journey, in my walk with Christ? We all need those people in our lives. And if you're sitting here today and you're wondering, I don't have that person. Come see me. Come see Marty or Greg or Fred. We'll help you find someone in your life. And above all else, we have Christ who is always there for us, who's always gonna help us lift up that fort. My sermon title was, We Must Protect This House. This was a commercial that Under Armour did when they first started out. Church, together we must protect this house. Together we must fortify our defense. Together we must Stand firm together. We must station ourselves and say, you know what? No more running. I'm here. I have my defense in place. And together, we're going to stand firm. We're going to abide in God. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for loving us and for your grace that no matter what is going on in our lives, we can always turn back to you and you will forgive us regardless. Thank you for this message that you gave us, the words that you spoke through John, that, that we can learn from, that we can, we, can, we can take and apply to our lives. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to stand strong and abide in you, that no matter what's going on, what's in front of us, what enemy we're facing, we know that we can stand strong because we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we, we abide in that, that assurance. Lord, I pray that as we continue to, to worship you, I pray you continue to let your spirit fill this place. Lord, give us the courage to recognize that, that first and foremost, we need that anointing in our lives. And if we haven't made that decision, Lord, I pray that you would soften hearts right now, that you would guide them and direct them to make that decision today, to believe in you. Lord, if there, there, are, there are holes in our defense, things in our lives that we need to, to, to eliminate, to get rid of, to change, Lord, I pray that you would show us and help us to do so. To not take any more time, but to confess our sins to you so that we can receive the, forgiven, the forgiveness that only you can give. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to, to come together as a body of Christ, to share in these burdens, to share in these attacks from the enemy and to stand firm together, arm in arm, linked as you intended. Thank you for this body, for these people in it. Lord, I pray that you could continue to, to work through us and in us as we worship. In your name, amen.